So how many of you guys uh, are fans of country music? Okay, oh good, okay, so I'm not alone. Uh, I, I grew up on, on country music, and I, I still enjoy the classics, and you, you'll know these guys, people like uh, Patsy Cline, uh, Loretta Lynn, right, Dolly, uh, Johnny Cash, how about uh, Buck Owens from Hee Haw? Yeah. I tried to show that to the kids once, and they totally didn't get it. Um, but, but country music has, has changed over the years, right? It started out from, you know, kind of those sounds of the, of the mountains to a shift toward uh, bluegrass and a little bit of rock and roll thrown in there. And uh, now today, the recent addition of some pop music. But one thing that hasn't changed uh, is that for the most part, country songs are about real life, right? And, and, and about the ups and downs that, that everyone faces at some point or another. And, and yes, I know people... Make fun of folks like me that like country music because they say, you know, if you if you play it backwards, you get your dog back and you get your car back and your you get your wife back, right? But, but that's kind of the reason people identify so much with country music so easily is because we have all at some point lost our own dog, right? Or or our own car, or, or our own job or relationship, and the thoughts and feelings that those painful memories evoke pull us into the lyrics of country songs with a, I think, with a specificity that really other music genres rarely match. Uh, and that's the reason that the late, great Conway Twitty said, a good country song takes a page out of somebody's life and puts it to music. And brothers and sisters, that is exactly what the Psalms do, right? That's what we've been talking about since Psalm 1. Uh, but they do it in, in a divine and superlative way that take a page out of somebody's life, namely the, the psalmist and whoever that psalmist is for the particular psalm, and puts it to music. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we go to God's Word today uh, in Psalm 102 and find there uh, with me a man who's pouring out his heart to God uh, and through his Holy Spirit-inspired lyrics, be praying that you and I will be given uh, the voice to bring those things that are going on in my life and in your life before God and that his words might entice us to, to bring all of those to him no matter how painful or how messy or how deeply personal they might be. So I invite you to join me uh, in Psalm 102. And for those of you that are new with us today, we started uh, back at Psalm 1 and 102 weeks later, here we are. All right, so Psalm 102 is superscribed. Uh, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. And the psalmist writes, Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me, answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass that is withered. I forget to eat my bread because of my loud groaning. My bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl in the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I, I'm like a lonely sparrow on a housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger, for you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. 
You remember it throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It's the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height from heaven the Lord looked down at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord, and in Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. He's broken my strength in mid-course. He's shortened my days. Oh, my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You'll change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure, and their offspring shall be established before you. Amen. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word, and I ask, Lord, that... Uh, you would take uh, out of the way any preparations that I've made, any thoughts that I have to, uh, to pass on. And we ask, Lord, that these words in these next few moments would be anointed by your Holy Spirit, uh, that the word that goes forward would be yours, because uh, you promised, Father, that when your word goes forward, it doesn't return to you in vain, but accomplishes all of your purposes. And so we trust in you now for that, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you know, I think when I was preparing for this psalm this week, one of the the most intriguing things I thought about Psalm 102 is the fact that we don't exactly know who composed it uh, or, or precisely when they wrote it or, or what exact circumstance uh, inspired it. But at the same time, there's so much about it that makes it as relatable to us as if it were written yesterday. But, you know, of course, that, that's the beauty of God's Word and the design of the Holy Spirit showing through because since we can't you know, date it and, and label it and, and file it away and define it under a particular author or heading uh, or link it to anyone's particular story, it leaves us free to step into the text uh, and to fill out the lyrics of what uh, one commentator called an anonymous afflicted one. He just, a uh, writer is just a face in the crowd uh, and apparently facing some insurmountable problems. That sound like a page out of anybody's life today? Well, if it is, uh, you've come in or you've tuned in on the right day because the God who providentially pulled in your attention today has a message for you, for you specifically. And if you don't believe me, uh, I, I dare you to, to ask him right now, Lord, speak because your servant is listening. And I can guarantee you on the authority of God's word uh, that you are not just a face in the crowd to him. He knows you today. He knows your name. He knows your background. He knows your situation. Uh, he knows your very personal problems and your secret stresses. Uh, and it's my job, my privilege, really, to point you to the specific solution to all of those things today. Uh, and that solution has a name, and his name is Jesus. Uh, and, and not in, in some cliche or I'm not going to give you any Christian-sounding 
psychobabble platitudes that leave you to kind of work out how this applies to you. But we're going to be talking about a rubber-meets-the-road answer that's not in the abstract, but specific to anyone that ever hears this message. And not because it's from me, but because it's the living Word of God that lifts people up out of the bondage of sin and hell and death and delivers them to a right standing with God the Father uh, if they'll call on Him through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's specifically really what we're invited to do through the opening lines of Psalm 102. And I guess you could even, could even say before the opening lines, because the title itself does that. Right? If you were, were watching along as we read, the title of this psalm is a, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Now that's a pretty long song title, right? Uh, probably would... Susie, what do you think, would not get approval of the marketing department of the record labels in Branson or Nashville, you know? Because, you know, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, right? Uh, it's not going to fit on the label of a cassette tape of people, if you guys even have those anymore, right? Uh, it probably would eat up a whole lot of time on the radio if a DJ were to say that title of a song a bunch of times a day. But you know what, as a song title, it sure does resonate with the heart, doesn't it? As this songwriter, this, this afflicted one, uh, is singing about his life and, and his livelihood and his homeland that's, that's in a state of ruin, and the first thing that really just hits you in the face is this man is depressed, right? And, and not, just, not just somebody down in the dumps, but almost certainly in the throes of a full-blown clinical depression. And you, you may think, well, well, pastor, is that kind of stuff really in the Bible? Does the Bible talk about stuff like that in scriptures? Uh, you know, I, I thought the Bible was supposed to be about having your best life now and, and living your full potential and overcoming obstacles and achieving your dreams and tapping into God's favor. But, you know, the stuff in the psalm today sounds like that old boy's about to tap into a bottle of vodka and not quit. Uh, and that, that's what I really want you to see, though, is that the scriptures were written by and about very real people. Uh, with very real, very messy lives, just, just like yours, just like mine, that the living God of heaven and earth stepped down into in the person of Jesus Christ and lived out right alongside of us with all that that entails. And that included at times getting depressed, just like any of us can be prone to do. Because, you know, if we're honest, really almost every one of us at, at one time or another has experienced uh, op- profound sadness like our psalmist is singing about today, right? Uh, now, most people, thankfully, get over that with a little time, but for some, those, those feelings remain, which then presents uh, a secondary difficulty to the believer because the next obvious question becomes, uh, based on all that we are supposed to know about God and His love and His promises, is it wrong for a Christian to ever be depressed? No, a lot of people ask that. And praise God, the answer to that question is no. It is not wrong. Because Psalm 102 gives us a picture of a man so tormented that he says, For my days pass away like smoke, and my my bones burn like a furnace. He said, My heart is struck down like grass that's withered, and I forget to eat my bread because of my loud groanings. He's saying, I feel like my life is is evaporating right in front of me, and I, I don't even have any appetite anymore for... For anything, much less food, because this, this whole thing, this whole life, all of it just makes me sick till I could scream. Uh, and if that wasn't 
bad enough. He's saying it doesn't seem like God even sees what's going on, right? He, he asked God, don't, don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. But then he doesn't even stick on that thought. He, he thinks again, well, maybe even worse, what if, what if God does see, but he doesn't care? Because he says in verse 10, well, Lord, Lord you picked me up and thrown me down. You ever felt like that? Felt like God had, had chucked you and all of your problems out with the trash? Uh, and, and all you could do was, as the psalmist said, lie awake like a lonely sparrow on a housetop and listen to sad music and, and feel sorry for yourself, thinking, Lord, if, if you would just, as our psalmist prayed, incline your ear to me, if you would just answer me speedily. Or, or like David, remember last week prayed, he said, oh, Lord, when are you going to come? When are you going to show up? How, how long will I have to fight just to make it through another day? How long will it be till I see any light at the end of this tunnel that I'm living in? How long, Lord? How long? Because uh, my days are like an evening shadow and everything is about to disappear around me. And I'm at the end of my rope and, and at the end of myself. But you know what, guys? The good news is that's exactly when God always steps in. That is exactly when the Holy Spirit lets us catch a glimpse of how high and how holy God is and how wholly different we are from Him. Uh, and how because of all of that, He not only sees the bigger picture of our lives, uh, but He allows us to know that He actually has a plan already worked out for them. Even if it's hard to see sometimes. And that happened for our psalmist today. See, kind of suddenly in, in halfway through the psalm stopped singing about how bad he thought everything was around him uh, and how bad he felt like everything was within him. And he started thinking about how good God is. And he says, almost like coming up out of a fog and looking around him, he says, but, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You'll arise and, and have pity on Zion. It's, it's the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. And it would be really easy to, to skip over that verse and, and skim over it and, and move on, but you'd miss a lot because, you know, you might think that's just about God blessing the city of Jerusalem, but if, if you read that name Zion in the light of all of the rest of Scripture, we know it means not just the city of God, but the people of God. And so when the psalmist says the time has come to have favor on her, to have favor on Zion, it's the same as when I said last week, God, we need you to come and and bless and have mercy on America again. Knowing that what I meant is not like America as a geographic place on the map, but in the hearts and minds and lives of Americans, of, of people, individual people who God sees and knows by name, and he knows that they're in desperate need of him right now, to today, right, right in the midst of their, their struggles and, and their hardships and their their failures and their sins. And this is what I want you to see because it's one of the most profoundly comforting things in Scripture uh, is how it reveals in places like here in Psalm 102 uh, God's compassion for us even when we get impatient in waiting for it sometimes. Anybody ever get impatient? Right. You're, not, you're not allowed to lie in church so I should see every hand go up. Right. But so in, in the raw poetry of Psalm 102... God gives us the words to use and the permission to ask him, how long is this going to last? And then right here is where the lyrics of the psalm start to take an upbeat tone because look at how the psalmist worded the answer. If you still have your Bibles open, he answers his own question in verse 13. He says, 
you will arise. So that's future tense. And have pity on Zion. And he also says that it is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. That's right now. So, so he's our savior for all time. Right? And there's a really particular word uh, that's used here that I want to show you. If you still have, have your Bible open to verse 13, when we come to this verse, if you look at it uh, in the Greek translation of the Psalms in the Septuagint that Jesus and the disciples would have used in the first century, whenever you see the word time there in that version of Scripture, in that text, it's a translation of one of two Greek words, and you, you Bible study guys know this already, chronos or kairos. Okay? Chronos is where we get our English word chronology from. It's, uh, it's, it's the time on my little clock here. It, it's the, the time on your watch. It, it's basically time on the move. It's, uh, it, it's time passing from present to future and, and becoming the past. That's, that's chronos. Kairos, on the other hand, means the appointed time. It's, it's a quality of time rather than a quantity of it. It's a, the sense of being a weighty occasion and as in something coming just at the right time. And it's meant to communicate the idea of God's timing. Uh, it, it's the idea of God's eternity breaking into our, our present. Uh, and that's the word that's being used here in the, the psalm today is kairos, it, just the right time. Just the right time God shows up and shows his mercy and his pity, and his favor. And Vicki and I were, I know you were thinking of this too when we talked about it. The first time she and I had a chance to visit a Pentecostal church here in Florida, uh, the choir did a song by the American gospel writer and singer Dottie Peoples, and I think I talked to John about this too, called On Time God. Yeah, have you guys heard that one? I'm not going to sing it for you, I promise. But, but the chorus goes, He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Right? He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. And church, I can promise you that that's true because I've seen it. And now you might be thinking, well, pastor, you promised me you weren't going to give me any cliches or, or Christian-sounding platitudes because that, that's kind of what that sounded like, to be honest. So let, let me be very real with you as I start to bring this message to a close. You guys know, or most of you know, that I lost my dad back in September, like eight months ago. I lost my mom in June, and... And I had the privilege to be with both of them, not only uh, during their last days, but actually at their final moments when, when both of them separately passed into eternity. And, and I'm telling you that only because I got to witness firsthand the truths of these promises in God's word in the passing of those two people uh, who I can tell you were truly unafraid to die. Uh, and two people who demonstrated the fruits of the Spirit and, and the peace of God in ways that I, even knowing their faith, I could have never expected uh, the spirit that showed up and helped despite, they, they, they felt afflicted at times, as the psalmist said. They even had times when they poured out their complaints to the Lord. But he stayed right by their side and he gave them the grace that they needed when they needed it the most, just like he promises in his word. Now, I can tell you maybe not exactly at the moment that they wanted it, but right when they genuinely needed it, right when they genuinely needed it the most, Right when some of the darkest moments of their last days came, they found out that we can pray with confidence and know in the words of Psalm 102 that he regards the prayer of the destitute, and that he does not despise their plea, and that he looks down from his holy height to hear the groans of the prisoners and to set free those that are doomed to die. Uh, to die not just, just physically, but spiritually. 
And you know, our Savior doesn't just stop with looking and, and hearing, but He stepped into human flesh, as the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, and we read part of it today, stepped right in when we were utterly helpless. Christ came just at the right time, Kairos, just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, he, Paul says most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. So that, so that people like mom and, and dad and all who belong to him, whosoever, Jesus says in John 11, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he finished up by saying to his disciples, do you believe this? So do you? Do you believe it? Do you, do you believe in God's perfect timing for Jesus to do his redemptive work here on earth? Do you believe in his providence in bringing you his announcement of forgiveness because, brothers and sisters, it wasn't anything that we could have planned. It was all His plan. And God didn't send Jesus into the world to dance to our tune or to tell us it's okay to march to the beat of our own drum or to write our own lyrics as we go along, but to tell the people of His day and of ours, now is the time. Kairos. Today is the day. Repent of your sins and believe the good news of the gospel. The good news that comes not in a, a headline or an email or a, a phone call full of consoling sentiments, but a flesh and blood answer in the form of a person to walk right alongside of you. The person of the Son of God who lived a sinless life that we couldn't, who died a death that we deserved to give us a righteousness we could never earn, and all of that completely backward from how humanly we would think it could go. Right? So that... Uh, just like when you play those country songs backwards so that he could give us back more than just a, a lost marriage or squandered money or, or even your old mangy mutt, but to open a way for us to be part of that heavenly chorus that uh, Revelation 5 promises to the elect where we'll sing a new song. We'll sing a new song saying to Jesus, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for you were slain and have been redeemed to us by God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So that as our psalm says today, that we may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in the new Jerusalem, the one that we're waiting to come, his praise when all of his people gather to worship the Lord. And you know, if you're not sure that that includes you today, I invite you to call out to him as we pray. Ask God to help you change your tune. Tell him you're willing to Face the music of things you've done in your life and humble yourself and ask for the gift of faith and of repentance. And I promise you, he'll put a new song in your heart. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you so much for the, the honesty of the Psalms, Lord. Sometimes we even become afraid of our own feelings. We don't understand our own hearts. And so we thank you that the Psalms give us the language of prayer in a book written by you and to you. And so continue to encourage us to read and to pray through them uh, and help us, Lord, to find ourselves there so we can see ourselves in the light of your eternity. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross that you were willing to send him, Lord, to live and to die, uh, to redeem for yourself a people, to praise you. Uh, and Lord, I ask that uh, if there's even now one among us who 
uh, who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that you would surprise them by the power of your presence, that you would overcome them by your Holy Spirit, that you would give them the grace of faith and repentance, and you would lead all of us, Lord, into closer and closer fellowship with you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And would you please stand and join me in the Apostles' Creed and in our closing hymn. So, brothers and sisters, let's confess before one another what we believe. So I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.